Welcome to the Progressive Teen Radio, the newest multimedia project by the High School Democrats of America. We'll be featuring activists and leaders from around the nation with co-host and executive producer Ritwik Tati, alongside co-host Emily Yee and Grace Furia. Hello and welcome to the Progressive Teen Podcast. We are a group of politically passionate young teens exploring the issues of today through the lens of the American youth. This episode focuses on the ongoing climate crisis in Texas. As many of you know, about a month ago, Texas experienced a climate change disaster where many residents were without power, heat, and essential services. This resulted in nationwide solidarity, where people donated and volunteered to help community members bounce back from such unprecedented weather. Cities like Houston were hit hard. Politicians like AOC volunteered at food banks and mobilized volunteers. So today we have Shante Davis on the podcast, who is a climate change activist and works with an organization called the Sunrise Movement, specifically with the Houston Hub. Hi, Shante. How are you? I'm great. Hi, everyone. Hi. 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 It's great to you for joining. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. So first, um, can you tell us a little bit about Sunrise and the work that you do with the organization and also your local hub? Yeah, of course. Uh, Hi, everyone. My name is Shante Davis, and the Sunrise Movement is a youth-run climate and political uh, nonprofit organization that focuses on engaging youth in political activism uh, regarding climate politics. And some of my work within the movement uh, nationally, of course, is helping people tell their climate stories through our narrative, public narrative program, and then as well as like locally, I am the JO lead, and JO stands for Justice, Equity, and Anti-Oppression, where I hold trainings and like processing spaces and looking at like hub dynamics and like power dynamics within the hub and how we can reach justice, equity, and anti-oppression. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, Thanks so much for the work you do with that organization. And again, thanks for coming on. It's great to meet you. Um, So next, can you just tell us a bit about yourself um, and more personally, why you're motivated to take action um, in regards to the climate crisis? Yeah, I can speak a little bit about myself. So my personal story comes from my own uh, experiences with the climate crisis. I was affected by numerous hurricanes, such as uh, Hurricane Katrina, and then Hurricane Harvey as well, and then her uh, tropical storm Imelda, and winter storm Yuri uh, here in Texas. So while, of course, while I was going through these storms, it didn't occur to me until I got like actually in the movement and I realized that this wasn't normal and my background and my identity had... Uh, had played a role in how, you know, I was affected by these storms. So that's what personally brought me to this movement. So could you talk a little bit more about your personal experience, what happened when the storm hit Texas? Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of the storms that hit Texas, so Imelda, uh, Harvey, and uh, Winter Storm Yuri, were, none of them were, like, really expected to be as bad as they were. Uh, Harvey was, like, a 500 um, in a year like once in the 500 year storm I mean and then Yuri of course you know it doesn't really snow in Texas it's definitely not that bad to the point where you have power outages and that was also surprising so 
just my personal experience, you know, having to like muck out my house and uh, relocate during like school and as well as like the winter storm, like freezing and not having power for like 10 hours and having to pack in like sardines with all these like covers and stuff because we didn't have like winter clothes. Like that was definitely a horrible experience for me. And that was, was that the first time you had ever like seen snow in Texas? Uh, no, it comes like every like five years, but it's always like it's always there, and then like literally that same day it'll it'll melt and it'll be gone. Yeah, this is our first like big snowstorm that you've ever yes. experienced. Yes, wow. definitely. Yeah, so I guess like what was your immediate reaction to that, or if you remember specifically like any feelings from that immediate moment? Oh yeah, definitely. So the first day when it snowed. It was beautiful, like, the houses were coated with white, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I never saw snow before. We <laughs> went outside, had a whole snowball fight with me and my uh, nieces and nephews. It was it was pretty fun the first day, and then the second day is when everything just went haywire. Uh, there were rolling uh, blackouts, and our power was, like, constantly fluctuating, so, like, we were worried about, like, if the food, the few food that we had in the refrigerator, like, is that going to be able to be salvaged? Or is it going to go bad? And then, like, we were trying to, I remember we were trying to stock up on food and water because our house didn't have one at, like, we didn't really have that much at the time. And, like, we went to the store, and I just remember seeing, like, all these long lines. It was, like, all these shelves were, like, bare. And I was just, like, oh, my gosh. Like, I, I just went to panic mode because I was, like, this is just, like, when I had to go through these hurricanes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was definitely scary. Then, as, like, the week progressed, once again, power was fluctuating, so I was, like, is it going to stay on this time? Like, it was like a constant, it was like almost like playing phone tag. Like, are, is it going to stay on? Is, you know, is this person going to answer or am I going to have a call again? It was like that type of dynamic. And then also like, you know, when our power did and definitely go off for those 10 hours, like we were freezing. We didn't know how to work the fireplace. We heard, we were hearing about these people who were dying of carbon monoxide. And we were like scared to like, even like, mess with the fireplace because we were like we don't want that to happen to us and uh yeah we were like looking up all these like hacks like people were calling and we were like they were like oh put tinfoil on your sock like we didn't know what to do at all (laughs) like we yeah it was just it was chaotic it was a mess and the water that um we had a water noise a boil water notice so like we were scared to like drink any of the water since we ran since we'd run out of water bottles, like we were scared to drink the tap water and stuff. And we had an electric stove, so we couldn't even boil the water. So it was just a really hard time. Yeah, so you're seeing one, the long term effects of something that happened over a short period of time, such as having to regrow crops and in the future having less sustenance for the area overall. And then also seeing um seeing just like this worsening, uh, th- these worsening symptoms of the climate crisis happening in an area where this type of weather shouldn't be happening, um, which is really, really terrifying to see. And I, I know like Shantae firsthand, I'm sure things were a lot more scarier and um, the work you do is so, so important. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much. And I mean, kind of going off of that, um, I know you know, hearing about the rolling blackouts, we also heard a lot about how um, a lot of the worst blackouts um, were happening in like low income neighborhoods, happening in BIPOC neighborhoods. Um, So can you maybe talk a little bit about uh, the inequality that happened in that particular instance and also just 
um, the inequality across the board as we talk about, you know, the impact of the worsening climate crisis and the difference that those impacts have on different communities. Yes, of course. So during Winter Storm Yuri, it was a lot of um, like here in Houston, one of our like low income BIPOC communities that's like well known as Fifth Ward. And Fifth Ward, they're like their water is already contaminated like on a daily basis. They have creosote, which causes like cancer and a whole bunch of like like reproductive issues and health issues just like with their water. Like this is without boil water notice and rolling blackouts and all that. So with the rolling blackouts, they first started in like, you know, more affluent, like white rich neighborhoods. And then mm-hmm. they were only for like an hour. And then as they like got down the line to like the lower income BIPOC uh, concentrated neighborhoods and communities, those blackouts became like people were without power for like up to like 40 to 50 hours. Like it was, it definitely wasn't fair at all. And it wasn't their fault and they're at risk the most. So that's when it was like, why are they suffering when the people who actually have the money to like, you know, they could leave Texas like Ted Cruz did. They can mm-hmm. commit climate apartheid. Um, they, you know, they got to live all warm and they, you know, they were comfortable during that time. Yeah. Just like um, you mentioned Ted Cruz and I guess like what's, what, what was your immediate reaction hearing the news that he fled Texas in the light of the, the climate disaster? Oh, wow. Uh, I actually have a great story for this. So I was <laughs> um, enraged and I actually organized a protest in front of his house that same day. Um, we actually have a couple of clips from when he was taking because we were protesting as soon as he came in uh, from the airport at his actual house. Like we were like, you know, at his doorstep and he took a private uh conference press conference in the back in his backyard to save face you know to lie and blame it on his daughters and whatnot and in the back you could hear us shouting resign um because you know we were just enraged we were like we've been freezing uh so one of my friends that was there her goldfish died because of how cold it was you know people were hungry we like didn't. me who hadn't eaten those like past two three days and then this dude comes back from vacationing while like we're freezing like that was so inappropriate and it was uncalled for. Yeah, I think I actually remember seeing um, a video on like Twitter of of him giving that press conference and um, mm-hmm. and, and the background noise. So that's amazing. So yeah, I guess um, next up, kind of going off of, I know we talked about the blackouts, the rolling blackouts a little bit. Um, so I guess just in your opinion, um, like, do you think that there were missteps and failures? Um, like in the infrastructure and in energy regulation that like kind of made those necessary and even made longer blackouts necessary? Um, and what changes do you think should be made going forward? Oh, yeah, definitely. So uh, one, the uh, the whole privatization of our energy grid, uh, that that was like number one, because if we would have been on like the national grid, we still would have had power, if not in all areas, in most areas, and we wouldn't have even had to do the rolling blackouts. And then number two, we don't even, you know, heavily invest. Texas is not known for like heavily investing in wind energy, wind energy or like green energy. So them blaming it on that. And then on top of that, them not uh, winter, winterizing that, you know, uh, energy system like that also was at play. 
So what I would say moving forward, uh, as far as like, you know, our infrastructure system, our energy infrastructure would be to one, of course, deprivatize the energy grid and then like, you know, heavily invest in green technology, green infrastructure. And then, of course, winterize that, you know, energy. And then this is more of like a more of a specific part, but make sure that these people like the people who are being employed to like implement this stuff are the people who need these jobs the most. Yeah, I mean, when we talk about a Green New Deal and like climate solutions, we also talk about a just transition, which means BIPOC groups and marginalized communities are the most likely people to be employed in um, sustaining fossil fuel infrastructure or power plants. And it's really important that we, when we do make that eventual change to greener climate infrastructure and solutions, that the first people to have those jobs are people from those BIPOC communities because it's really important to support them. So uh, over in Houston, it's really, really good that you guys are calling for that sort of um, action as well. I also would like to get your opinion on why you think um, a lot of the, not all Republicans, but a lot of the Republicans are blaming um, the power outages on um, green energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that totally, once again, enraged me because it was like, that was such a ridiculous statement. We haven't even endorsed, y'all have been, you know, having so much voter suppression and gerrymandering to make sure that the Green New Deal doesn't even get passed on the local level. And for you to blame it on something that you haven't even implemented, that doesn't even, there's no correlation. And yeah. then once again, going back to like, you know, there was no winterization of the, um, of the renewable energy mm-hmm. sources. So once again, it's their at fault instead of trying to blame the Green New Deal. So we talked about um, how we felt like Ted Cruz, his leadership was obviously not ideal. Um, do you think there were other failures failures in leadership within the state leading up to in response to the storms? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, so I'll go back to the political season. So with what happened with the whole political season, I know that like here in Houston, we were over here. We were, we canvassed for Julie Oliver and Mike Siegel uh, because mm-hmm. they, yeah, they were like running on the Green New Deal. And, of course, the Republicans and their voting laws, voter suppression, gerrymandering, all of that great stuff. Um, yeah, it really prevented us. They lost by our candidates that we endorsed, lost by small margins, but they didn't exactly win because of, you know, these laws that we have in place that, like, you know, prevent, like, Spanish speakers, which we have a lot here in Texas, from, like, voting or, like, you know, of course, um, disenfranchising BIPOC and things of that nature. So, uh, yeah, leading up to that, like, I feel like if we would have had different leadership, we definitely wouldn't have been in this problem. Right. Yeah. And when people talk about the Green New Deal and how, I mean, it's obviously extremely, it's pretty expensive, but we have to put that into, like, into consideration when we think about, like, Texas lost, like, I want to say about $50 billion, right? Mm -hmm. And so, I mean... The Green New Deal, while expensive, would have majorly prevented yes. something like this from happening, and Texas would not have lost that mama, that much money, that much power, that much work. People would not have been starving and freezing, mm-hmm. and we would have had better leaders. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and since we've been talking a lot about the Green New Deal, um, 
just for like the sake of our listeners and also just because I think, you know, it's something important to cover. Do you mind talking a little bit um, about what that legislation entails and more specifically, like the tangible impacts that we could see? Yeah, of course. So the Green New Deal is a resolution uh, that was co-sponsored by Ed Markey and Congresswoman AOC. And basically it entails uh, affordable housing, clean water, clean air, and overall a livable future. And what that translates to is, uh, you know, passing tangible legislation that, you know, opens up these like houses that are, you know, vacant right now. Uh, they open those up for affordable housing and, you know, of course, eradicates homelessness, putting people to uh, good jobs right now. Sunrise is running our Good Jobs for All campaign, which is which goes hand in hand with the just transition, uh, you know, from fossil fuels to green and renewable energy. And that also would help, you know, eradicate homelessness and poverty. And then as well as uh, strengthening our environmental regulation acts and laws, uh, you know, such as like Mass versus EPA to make sure that, you know, people have clean water. So, you know, make sure people like in Fifth Ward here in Houston, they're not drinking creosote in their tap water. And of course, you know, air, uh, air regulations, like with planes and ship channels and all that great stuff. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, such an important piece of legislation and just overall issue to talk about and continue pushing forth. Um, Sunrise pulls off amazing campaigns. Um, I know this summer they had their Wide Awake direct action campaign, and that was amazing. Um, so much media impact, and it was so, so amazing to see, like, um, people going straight up to politicians' houses and demanding action from them. It was so cool to see. Um, overall, like, Sunrise's work is really amazing. Um, and I guess, like, transitioning uh, I know you talked about holding direct action outside of Ted Cruz's house um, when he was holding his private press conference. Mm -hmm. um, but what other specific work have you done following the storms in Texas to combat climate change and work towards climate justice, both on the local level in Houston and nationally with Sunrise as well? Yeah, of course. Uh, so literally, we uh, mobilized in conjunction with Sunrise National and Sunrise Texas. Uh, we have a coalition of the hubs in Texas. And we, that same weekend, right after Winter Storm Yuri, we held a press conference in Austin in which uh, myself and dozens of others from like Sunrise Dallas, Sunrise Austin, Sunrise Houston spoke about their um, experiences. And we called on Abbott and Cruz to resign and, you know, for, uh, you know, the public to support the Green New Deal and, you know, help us vote in leaders who are going to do what they need to do. Yeah, that's amazing. And I guess kind of going off of that, um, can you talk a bit about how our listeners can get involved in Sunrise um, or, you know, if there's not a Sunrise Hub in the area, like other organizations and groups mm -hmm. kind of doing work on this issue? Yes, of course. So uh, you can visit www.sunrisemovement.org. Uh, and on their little headboard thing on the website, there should be a thing where you can find a hub near you. If a hub isn't near you, you can consider uh, creating one. But I know that everyone doesn't want to create a hub. So you can also still stay plugged in and uh, join spaces such as like uh, Greenpeace USA or Sierra Club, as well as... Um, Generation Ratify, 
as well. There are chapters. Um, listeners can also follow Sunrise Movement on Instagram at SunriseMVMT to stay up to date with like all of our campaigns and like national work and how they can just on an individual level without like joining a hub and stuff. There are like petitions to sign and like Congress legislators like to call and stuff. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to our episode today on um, the recent winter storms in Texas and the climate crisis. Um, thank you to our guest, Shante Davis, um, who's here uh, on behalf of the Sunrise Movement. Um, your co-hosts are Ritwick Toddy, Emily Yee, and Grace Furia. Um, and our wonderful editor um, is Suha Noor, and our outreach director is Mehar Sharma. Our sources for the episode today included uh, Business Insider.